0: The following message is from the 2013 IBCD Summer Institute, Churches Equipped to Care. Well, let's start by turning in God's Word to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read one verse, verse 6. Paul, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, penned these words, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Let's pray together and ask for God's help. Father, we thank you for the time of of worship uh, in song. We thank you, Lord, for great words and and stirring music that exalts you. Father, we thank you that we can glory in our redeemer and and express our thanks to Christ for bearing your wrath in our place and we can exalt you and 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 declare behold our God. Father, we pray that as we as we sing the songs of Zion that they wouldn't just simply be just a part of what we do and we go through that part, then we get to the preaching. Lord, we pray that we would see that, that that corporate singing is a time where you align our hearts with your truth. Father, we also thank you for your word and we pray that you would help us today. We we pray that you'd help us in this time to to hear from you. Father, We can go through these exercises of preaching and if you don't help us, if you don't grant us the Holy Spirit in power, it will all be for nothing. And so we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. And so we plead that he would come with power and enliven your word and transform our hearts by it. We pray that he would, in fact, cause us to behold you, our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last July, Craig sent me an email, and uh, by the way, we are among those people that have tried to uh, lure Greg to come and help do a church plant in Reno, and Jim threatened not to be my friend anymore if we did such a thing, so so that didn't work. But last July, Craig sent me an email, and we started talking about this, this conference, and for the plenary session, what we talked about was, as he mentioned, incorporating the themes of uh, Feelings and Faith with the conference theme of Equipped to Care. And so um, we came up with this idea of caring when you don't feel like caring. And little little did I know that just a few months later, my life would uh, would change. And this topic would be more than just a topic that I would talk about. This topic would actually become something that would, on the one hand, haunt me, and on the other hand, force me to God's Word. On September 25th, my uh, cell phone rang at 5.30 in the morning. At first, I thought it was my alarm, and then I realized it was a ringtone, and I picked it up and... On the other end was a friend of 22 years, an officer in our church and our church administrator. And he said, I'm standing at your front door, come let me in. And so I got up and went to the front door and there he was and uh, he looked terrible. I could tell he'd been crying and he came in and... As he sat down in my living room at 5.30 in the morning, my close, dear friend that I had been instrumental in leading to Christ around 1991 or so began to tell me that for the last number of years he had been severely abusing alcohol. I couldn't believe it, but I knew that I needed to help him. If it would have stopped right there, I think everything would have been okay. But it didn't stop right there because what happened is um, later that day, we knew we had to get him to to, to detox. We had to get the alcohol out of his body because I won't tell you how much he was drinking, but it was an amount that I thought would actually kill somebody. So um, my good friend Mike Shepard, who's actually sitting in the front row, Mike and I took him up to Reno, and what unfolded was not only an abuse of alcohol, but also multiple adulteries and embezzling from our church for the last eight years. And I won't tell you how much it was, but it it is an amount that would stagger you. I grieved I grieved for our church family because people in our church love this man. And I grieved for the loss of a friendship that had been one of the closest that I'd ever known in my whole life. And I grieved for my family because my kids were raised with this man as virtually an uncle to them. I grieved for his family, thinking of the shame that his children would experience. But that grief turned fairly quickly into uh, anger, and I was so angry at him, we, uh, we sent him off. We sent him actually down to San Diego, not to IBCD to live with Jim, but... Although that did cross my mind that'd be a good thing, um, but we sent him away for three months, and that actually was that was good that by the way, that was not primarily for him, that was primarily for his family and our church out of sight, out of mind when when something like that happens and you have one person who's in charge of all of these things at church and there's only one person that knows all the passwords and there's only... By the way, don't don't let there only be one person that knows all the passwords and, and all of that. But you're just scrambling to get things done and to keep the church operating day in and day out. And so it was just... We were inundated with busyness. And so, um, so the, the grief and the anger could be put aside. But then when it came time for him to come back to our area, the reality of Him coming back began to sink in. And although I cared deeply for our church family and how we were going to continue to navigate through this by God's grace, and although I grieved for His family, um, I came to the point where I, I didn't want to see Him ever again. And I can say, that um, not only did I not want to see Him ever again, I could have probably looked you right in the eye and said, I don't care about Him at all. Well, that's a problem, especially when you've been assigned to do a session on caring, when you don't feel like caring. Caring. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> I'm still working through the bitterness. <laughs> Actually, it was a means of grace to me. And what I'm going to present to you, I've obviously never presented anywhere before, and I will tell you it's been, without exception, one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to try to prepare for any, any uh sermon at all. First of all, the call to care. We're talking this whole weekend about Christian care and when we talk about care, what we're what we're talking about is actually loving a person who is in need and then helping that person, acting to help that person who is in need. So that's the way I understand What we're talking about, Christian care, is actually loving a person who is in need and then letting that love motivate us to help that person in need. And, of course, if you go to the Scripture, this theme, you can't just look at one word in Scripture. You have to look at at this broad range of themes. And we have many themes that are covered um, that would touch on this idea of Christian care. So I looked up in Lao and uh, lexicon that's based on semantic domains, and there's a whole range of words that actually convey this idea. There are words that convey to help, to serve, to provide, to support, to care for, to take care of, and then not to mention all of the passages that deal with the one another's and especially the idea of loving one another and so i submit to you that christian care is both loving and serving one another that's what we've been talking about this whole weekend and so in our context that serving would be focused on 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 ministering to someone uh, in need now most likely we're talking very narrowly about calling to provide the calling to provide help to someone through, uh, biblical counsel. That's the, one of the primary ways that we're talking about caring for each other this weekend. That, of course, may be a formal counseling situation where somebody comes to you. And so the call there is to love and then to serve that counselee by speaking truth to them in love. But most of the time in our Christian life, the call to care is more likely going to be in informal situations. The call to care is to love and to serve someone in the context of friendship, in the context of just talking to them about the things of God, trying to help them. And so the Bible tells us that we are called to care for one another. And so the question then becomes, well, who is, who's the one another? And we could, of course, just sort of generically say, well, that includes everyone. But I want to be a little more specific. The call to care, that is the call to love and to serve one another, those one another's will be those people that God providentially puts into your path. This is important to me because what it does is it reminds us that we do not get to choose who gets care. We don't get to decide who is deserving of care. God is the one who decides who gets our care. And so, just like the question, who is my neighbor... Who gets care? Well, it's anyone in need that God puts in our path. Now, you know, sometimes we don't like that. Sometimes we would rather, we would prefer that God would consult with us before he puts somebody in our path. But we don't have that prerogative. God in his sovereignty brings people in our path and those people in need, when you see somebody that God brings to you who is in need, that is God's call to you to provide care for that person. Now, obviously, there are challenges to caring for people. In fact, I thought that what we could do for this session, instead of me getting up here bearing my soul, I would just open it up and ask if anybody has any stories of challenging care situations. (laughs) Then I realized there's no way we would have enough time for everybody to even share for, you know, just one story. Why? Because the call to care is always filled with challenges, isn't it? Always. And so these are just a few that came to my mind. And and there's nothing uh, profound about these observations because we've all experienced them. So caring is a challenge when people do not respond well to our attempts at caring. Right? What we want is we want people to say, oh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your love for me. I don't know what I would have done without you. you, know, you There are people that sometimes they do that, but let's face it, that's in the minority. And so what we normally experience is, is we, we uh, attempt to love somebody and then to help them, to show care to them, and they may get angry with us. Have you ever had anybody that you're trying to care for get angry with you? they may actually just reject your efforts altogether how does it feel to actually be willing to spend and be spent for somebody who is in need and then they in turn just reject those efforts as if as if you are intruding in their life or they're contentious You're trying to care for somebody. You're trying to love them. You're trying to help them. And instead of actually receiving what you have for them, they are just contentious with you, always arguing and, and debating. Caring is a challenge when people don't follow through on thoughtful biblical counsel. These people may be nice enough but they never ever take anything to heart, and yet they gladly take your time, but then never take what you have to say and put it into practice. You you, you never see any brokenness, and yet you sit with them, and the amazing thing is they have all the right answers. Am I the only person that's experienced that? This, this is one of those things where you, where you think to yourself, what, what am I doing? I feel like a hamster. I'm on a wheel. I'm just spinning and spinning and spinning. And this person comes in and they never actually do anything other than give me the right answers. They certainly never follow through on anything. Ever. Is it a challenge to continue to care in that kind of situation? Absolutely. Care is also a challenge when people... Literally turn on us. On Friday, uh, Thursday night, when Bob was talking about um, Lord of the Rings, and was talking when Frodo jumped on Sam and was about to stab him, you remember that? I was thinking, that's like a lot of counseling. You know, there's, there's Sam and he's the counselor and there's Frodo, he's the counselee and he just wants to kill him. Have you ever poured out your heart to someone, tried to help them, tried to care for them and then turn around and find out that they've gossiped about you or lied about you or started to ignore you? These challenges, and of course a lot more, can become very, very um, emotional for us. And unless you are a stone, these kinds of challenges will affect you, and they will affect you emotionally. When you when you have been hurt, there's a desire to do what? To protect yourself. Biblical counselors are not immune from the desire of self-protection. If there's been rejection, sometimes our tendency is just to write that person off. If a person has been consistently difficult, sometimes the desire is just to write the person off. This is one of my biggest challenges. When somebody difficult decides to go to another church, sometimes I sing a hymn. Blessed subtraction, Jesus is mine. <laughs> now, here, here's the danger of, of these kinds of feelings. I want to protect myself, I want to write somebody off, keep them at arm's length. The danger of, of those emotions is that we can easily uh, begin to justify them we can easily make excuses as to why it's okay for us to feel like this. It's it's okay for us just to write them off. You know, good riddance, um, now you're somebody else's problem. Praise the Lord. And you know what, I did everything I could. Goodbye. The danger is, is that when we begin to justify those kinds of emotions because of the sins of others, and also because of our sin, we may find ourselves not caring for the very people that God calls us to continue to care for. So what do you do? What do you do when you know that you're called to care for someone and you don't feel like caring for them? They are a challenge. What do you do? Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you what I don't think we should do. I don't think that we should just discount our emotions and then turn around and say, you know what, I don't really think it matters how I feel about this person as long as I just keep doing what's right. Now, there's a convenience to that. It, It doesn't matter that I don't feel like caring. It doesn't matter that I don't really love this person just as long as I keep doing the right things and do my duty. My problem with that is I think the New Testament condemns that kind of ethic. Where would I get the idea that the New Testament would condemn that kind of ethic? Well... When Paul says something like this, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, which you could say that's fulfilling the duty of caring, right? I give all my possessions to feed the poor. If I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing, I, I I just I don't think that we can say it doesn't matter how I feel as long as I do what's right. I don't think that that's good enough. I don't think that that's honoring to the Lord. I don't think that that's the kind of care that He calls us to give. I use this illustration in 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 one of the workshops, but I'll just use it again. If you were there, forgive me. But if you go to the hospital to go and to visit someone and to minister to someone and that person is a challenge to you and you stand there and and they say to you, thank you for coming and visiting with me and you turn around and you say, well, you know, the truth be told, I'm here because it's my duty to care for you. I actually don't feel like being here and I really, I don't even feel like caring for you right now, but you're obviously in need. And by the way, that broken leg is probably divine retribution. You ought to take that to heart. <laughs> so I'm here because I'm supposed to be here. Let me read you a psalm and then pray with you. Somehow I think that that is sub-Christian. That does not fulfill the law of Christ. And so if, if doing the right things and doing good things out of duty without love, Paul says that that's nothing, then the fact is, is that we can't afford just to go that route. And yet that's often a convenient route because many of, many of us are really good at duty. Many of us are really good about just doing what we know we're supposed to do externally, and yet God calls us to something more. I would suggest to you that God requires our emotions to be involved as we love people and provide care for them. John Murray. great theologian from Westminster Seminary. I try to avoid reading John Murray quotes in sermons because Murray's not the easiest person to read. But this is from Principles of Conduct. Murray says these words. Listen carefully. He says, It will surely not be challenged if we say that love is both emotive and Motive. Love is feeling and it impels action. Since love is in the category of feeling, which creates affinity with the object and constrains the outflow of affection for the object, the fulfillment which love constrains is not the fulfillment of coerced or unwilling. Formal compliance, but the fulfillment of cheerful and willing obedience. Without such constraining and impelling love, there really is no fulfillment of the law. The law prescribes the action, but love it is that constrains or impels, constrains or impels action involved. So, in a culture of caring for one another, feeling like caring matters. The emotions matter. True one another care is loving care and love must engage the emotions. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I think in your notes I have verse 23. It should be verse 22. Peter says, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls unto a sincere love of the brethren, fervently... Love one another from the heart that's the kind of loving care that we're called to give is is to fervently love one another from the heart and so I submit to you that Christian care requires that we feel like caring and and so you say, well, why why I mean <laughs> you you need to get off of this emotion thing, Borgman. You're messing me up. I, I would suggest to you that Christian care requires that we feel like caring because when we get to the place where we don't care, that's an indication that something is amiss in our own hearts. So... In a book called Feelings and Faith, which I'd highly recommend, the writer says the emotions are an inherent part of what it means to be a person. They express, listen to this, they express the value and evaluations of a person and influence, motive, and conduct. So in other words, if I get to the place where my emotional state is, I don't care, that is expressing a value of my own heart. And so my next question for all of us is this. Who then is adequate for these things? If God tells us you care for the people that I put across your path who are in need, and you care for them with a love a fervent love from the heart and we say to ourselves lord this person's a challenge this person's difficult how in the world how in the world father can you expect me to continue to feel like caring when this when when i've loved this person sacrificed for this person poured myself out for this person, served this person. And Lord, you know, there's no gratitude, there's no response, there's no reciprocation, there's no change. And so I ask us all, very honestly, how in the world can we be expected to feel like caring under those kinds of circumstances? What I want you to do right now is I want you to think of, of, of just one person, just one please just one i don't want you to overload your brain i want you to think of one person that you've poured yourself out into and at this point in your life you are thinking to yourself i'm done with that person i'm done i don't i don't care anymore Now, if you are so sanctified that you cannot think of that one person, please come up after the session and lay hands on me, okay? Because I can think of people, all right? I can think of people. So what do we do when we don't feel like caring? I'm going to make some real um, simple suggestions And the first is this, I don't start with that person, I start with myself. And I have to check my own heart first. So if I get to the place, I've got that person, I've got that person right there in my mind. I feel like I'm done with this person. I don't care about this person. I don't feel like caring about this person anymore. I wish God would take this person out of my life. I'm going to start with my own heart first. Why am I going to check my own heart first? Because those feelings are an evaluation that's coming from my own heart. And so I have to ask myself, I don't care. I've come to the place where I don't care for a reason. You don't just come to the place of not caring just because one day you wake up and you go, hey, it's Wednesday, it's no care Wednesday. There's a reason why we get to the place where we don't feel like caring. And so I want to make some painful suggestions. Sometimes we get to the place of not feeling like caring anymore because this person's sin or response or lack of response to us has personally offended or insulted us. How dare that person not value my wisdom? We would never say that. We would never say to elders meeting, you know what, I'm kind of done with this person. They're not, they're not valuing the, uh, the magnificent wisdom that God has given to me, and I'm graciously bestowing on them. We would never say something like that. But we have to ask ourselves, do I feel personally offended by this person? by their sin by their rejection of me do i do i feel personally insulted do i feel personally offended hey if if that's the case then there's some work to do with self first or or maybe we we think bob bob made reference to this maybe we think a person's rejection of our counsel is going to reflect badly on our counseling abilities Here's a person who comes to you as a train wreck, they leave as a train wreck, and you're thinking, you know what? That person is now a very bad PR train wreck for me. People are going to see that person, and they're not going to want to come and talk to me because they're going to say, well, you know, he didn't do that guy very much good. You know, there's, there's only one well where that springs from. And of course, it is pride, In our hearts. I would also suggest if you have somebody who comes to you who is in need of care and you feel personally offended and insulted, that that too springs up from pride within our own hearts. It's, it's not that we are so detached that we never take things personally, but when we take things personally to such a degree that we feel offended or insulted, we have to say, you know what, I think I have turned this thing into something about me. We need to check our own hearts. We need to watch for pride because caring, providing Christian care is ultimately, of course, not about us. It is about the living God that we serve and we being privileged to actually reflect His love and care to others. And so when we don't want to care anymore, we have to ask ourselves, is this not just simply pride in my own heart rearing its head that is impelling me to say, I'm done with you. The next thing that I would suggest is that we keep the proper priority and relationship between truth and the emotions. If the emotions really do express our values and evaluations of a person and then in turn influence our motives and our conduct, then when we start to feel like not caring we actually need to recognize what's happening here is that my emotions are getting out of alignment with the truth. And now, now, how I feel about this person is controlling how I'm thinking about this person, and we actually need a realignment of our emotions with the truth. This, by the way, is far more practical than it sounds, let me just give you a couple of examples of how we as, 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 as counselors and Christian friends who provide care for people can actually have our hearts realigned by god 's truth. We start to feel as if our emotions are getting out of alignment we don 't want to really want to care for this person. Um, try praying this: go to God in prayer and and remember that This person's sins that they've they've brought to you and supposedly want help with, and now they're just a huge challenge, huge problem to you, run this through the grid in prayer. That person's sins have either been paid in full through Jesus Christ, and God loves that person, that person is one of God's elect. God's committed to that person's perseverance, which means God will bring that person to repentance, and so I can labor with patience with that person. Or, if that's not the case, then this person will actually die in their sin and end up spending an eternity in hell paying for those sins. Run that person through that grid in prayer. On the one hand, knowing that, that that person may well be a true child of God, that Christ died for that person. If that person is not a child of God, that person will spend all eternity paying for the sins that seem to be bothering you right now. And so it either it, that truth either compels us to labor on with patience or to labor on with great sympathy. I don't want, no, no matter how much of a challenge a person is, you don't want them to go to hell. As difficult as a person is, you don't want them to suffer eternal torment apart, of the, apart from the presence of Almighty God. Run that through the grid. And so as I think of my situation, I think either he's a child of God and Christ paid for those awful sins just like he paid for my awful sins. And because of that, God is committed to his perseverance and he will bring him to a full fruit-bearing repentance. And if not, then my friend will perish forever. I have um, one of my faithful co-elders is here. I have a few others. And one of them, who is sometimes more honest with me than I appreciate, came to me and he said, I know that you say... that you believe God's sovereign over this whole mess and God has a purpose in it. He says, I know that's what you say, but I don't think you really believe it. What do you know? (laughs) I know He loves me and I know that He sees things in me and I know that In God's kindness, he's God's messenger to me, and I took that to heart. And so I decided that I needed to do something to take what I knew about God's sovereignty and evil and bring it to my own heart in a way that I could have my heart realigned. And so what I did is I immersed myself for weeks in the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. I read it over and over and over and over again. And then, then I preached it in two sermons. And I want to tell you, the truth of God's Word does have the power to realign and shape our emotions in the way that honors God. And so, as I preach, I preach that in the morning, and, 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 and he sits in, in the back row, off by himself, and... Um, he, he is under church discipline right now, but he sits back there and he r- never looks at me while I'm preaching. But that day he was looking at me while I was preaching, and then we had the Lord's Supper in the afternoon, and I preached the last part when I got to Genesis 50 and verse 20. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And God, God really did, for the first time in months, months, first time, God actually softened my heart for him so that I cared whether he repented or not. And afterwards, after we got done taking the Lord's Supper, I thought to myself, my heart is is tender towards him in a way that I've not experienced before. And so as I'm walking out, I thought to myself, all all he needs to do is look me in the eye and I will sit down with him and and we will talk. And as I walked by, I stopped and I said, Hi, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but my goodness, it was a big deal to me and he wouldn't even look me in the eye and he kept on walking and he grunted at me and i thought you know what i wish just for 10 minutes 10 minutes all in 10 minutes i would be a theonomist we could stone this guy we got plenty of rocks out in the back and then then i could change back and be okay and you know okay well that wasn't i don't i don't think i'm convinced of theonomy anymore and and then and i just felt this anger and then in the midst of feeling that anger, I saw that other elder that told me that I really didn't believe it. And I looked at him and I thought, Lord, you're even sovereign over that. You're even sovereign over that. So when we don't feel like caring, our emotions are getting out of alignment, we need to start realizing our thoughts need to be controlled and governed and shaped by truth. And when the thinking is right, the feeling will be right. Now, one last thing. One last thing. Loving when you don't feel like it. And faith. So when I get to the place where I don't feel like caring... One, I'm going, to, I'm going to examine my own heart because there's a reason why I don't care. So I need to examine my heart. Out of the heart of the issues of life. And so I need to guard my heart. I need to examine my heart. And then I need to make sure that I'm thinking biblically about this person. And there's all kinds of truths that you can bring to bear that can help realign and rekindle your sense of care for that person. But here's, here's one last thing. And this, this actually has been very, very helpful to me, and that is we read it in galatians five six a little phrase that Paul uses where he says, Circumcision, uncircumcision don 't mean anything, but the idea what matters what does mean something is faith working through love. So when I got to that part in Galatians, I looked at that little phrase. Faith working through love. What does that look like? What, what, what does that actually mean? I want to know what that means. I want to, I want to pick it apart and dissect it and understand what Paul actually means by that simple little phrase, faith working through love. And in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, the reason why this probably seems so important to me is because it is directly relevant to the idea of caring about people when you don't feel like caring about them. Faith working through love. First of all, there's a paradox when it comes to Christian love, isn't there? Christian love is a supernatural gift, right? Very much like faith, is it not? Um, Christians love God, why? Because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. And so, we love God because He loves us. We love others because He loved us first. Christian love is also a supernatural love because God's love is poured out into our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit whom God has given us, Romans 5.5. 5. And so, I don't know about you, but I, I, I marvel at the fact that, that love is a supernatural gift that God has put into my heart by loving me first and then pouring out His Spirit into my heart so that I now love. And so here we have, on the one hand, Christian love is a supernatural love. It's a supernatural gift. And if you just stop there, then you would think, hey, I just should love everybody automatically. Well, is faith a supernatural gift? When you receive the gift of faith, you just say, hey, now I believe God perfectly. Now I trust the Lord without wavering. It's not how it works, is it? It is a supernatural gift, but then we're also commanded to believe, right? So here's here's the paradox. On the one hand... Christian love is a divine gift that God puts into our hearts by his Holy Spirit, but then he turns around and then he tells us to do what? To love one another. So it is both gift and it is both command. Can you find any place in the Bible that says we're supposed to love each other? We not only can find places in the Bible that tell us we're supposed to love each other, we can find places in the Bible where Jesus tells us that we're supposed to love each other like he just loved us. So, I mean, the standard is high, right? At John uh, 13, John 15, I mean, the the Bible's full of these commands. A new command I give, that you love one another. This is how everybody's going to know that you're my disciples, that you have love For one another. Peter, Paul, they all tell us love one another, brotherly love, fervently from the heart. And so here's here's the question. How in the world can God command me to love, which by the way, includes the affections, includes the emotions? We sometimes think, well, because it includes the emotions, God can't command us to feel a certain way. Yes, he can. He's lord over the mind, he's lord over the will, he's lord over the emotions. So then we say, well, how in the world can it be a divine gift and a command at the same time? I don't know. But I know it's true. How can faith be a divine gift and yet be commanded? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. How do those things work together? I don't, I don't have it all figured out. It doesn't all seem crystal clear to me. But what I know is on the one hand, it's something that God has given to me. And on the other hand, it's something that God commands me to do. So here's the question. What is the connection then to faith? Because Paul says what matters is faith working through love. What's the connection to faith? What is faith? Faith is confidence in God trusting his promises. Right? So faith is, faith is not, um, faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not name it and claim it. Faith is not commanding and it comes to pass. Faith is actually looking at God's promises and taking those promises as true. Having confidence in the character of God that what God has said he will do. That's faith. So when a person exercises faith uh, for salvation, what are they doing? They're actually simply resting in the promise that whoever believes on the Lord Jesus will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's actually quite simple. You rest on what God has said, and that is faith. So, follow me. God says, as it were, you love... Because I first loved you. You love because I've poured out my love into your hearts. God then, as it were, says to us through his word, go therefore and love like my son loves. Love your brothers. Love your sisters. Love the unlovable. Love because I've loved you. Love because I've given you the gift. Love because I've given you the command. And then faith says, what God has commanded, God will also supply. Now, the, the beautiful thing is, is that faith does look, looks two directions on this. On the one hand, faith looks at what God has already supplied and believes it with confidence. I don't, need to, I don't need to work up love in my heart for this person. God has already said that he's put it there. Faith also then looks to the command of God, and just like Augustine, Many centuries ago, command whatever you will and then grant what you command. So faith says what God has commanded he also supplies so I can love, I can care for this person, I can continue to lovingly give care to this person because God has commanded me to do it and now he has not only granted what he commands, he will grant what he commands and he will transform my heart through that as I trust in him to do in me and for me and through me what I can never do by myself sometimes we miss some of the most basic fundamental realities of the Christian faith and what it means to live by faith in the son of God if God tells me to love this person I don't say hey uh, well you can't command how I feel So love must not be a feeling, so I'll just be nice to that person, but not really like them. You don't have that option. Faith says, God's done something in my heart. I believe that. I'm struggling now. God God commands me now to do what He's already done for me. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to trust that God is going to supply what He tells me I need to do. And you know what we call that at the end of the day? We call that grace. On that on that Lord's Supper afternoon, when 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 I started to have that sense of I, I do care about this brother, uh, I do care about him as a person, I care about him as a image bearer of God. That wasn't because of some self help technique. It wasn't because I beat myself up emotionally for not caring about him. It was because God, in his grace, did for me what only he could do. I just trusted he would do it. Now, that may be a step by step battle. You take one step and you go, okay, thank you, Lord. And then the next step, what happened, Lord? Then he does it again, and then you take the next step. In other words, faith is what connects love uh, and with God's command and God's gift. And so, I see a person that I need to care for. Don't be too proud of yourself when you care for people who are easy to care for. Don't think, I am such a great counselor. That person told me thank you at least three times. That person cried and they, and, and, and they took notes. When I see somebody I need to care for and they're not easy to care for, when I see somebody I'm supposed to love and they're not easy to love, I see my obligation before God to provide that care and that love for that person, which may mean I need to serve them, I need to forgive them, I need to sacrifice for them, I need to be patient with them, or I need to speak truth to them in love. And so what do I do? I ask God to work out from me what I know he's already put in me, and I ask him to help me to obey what he has called me to do. Do you understand the absolute blessing of living under the new covenant where God has actually already written his law on your heart, and he will cause you to walk in his statutes? Why not just pray, Lord, you said that you would cause me to walk in your statutes. Here's one of your statutes to love this person. Now, just make me me, do it. God will answer those prayers. And so then what do we do? We pray, we ask God and then by faith, here's the important part. by faith, we act in both obedience and dependence. We then act by faith. In obedience and dependence. Not sheer obedience, but dependent obedience. Not mere dependence, but obedient dependence. And what you may find is the Holy Spirit producing love that's now working through your faith. So is it possible to start caring when you don't feel like caring? Is it possible to keep caring when you feel like giving up on caring? And the answer is yes. It is possible because God's truth, God's spirit, and God's grace can in fact so transform the heart that the care that we extend to others is nothing less than the grace and the love that God has put into our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we don't pretend that these things are easy at all. In fact, Father, we know that there are, there are huge challenges, but you never told us that, that walking the walk would be an easy walk. And so we pray in this area of struggle that we would walk by faith, we would depend on you, and we would trust in you to do in us that which you can alone do. Lord, your word teaches us to pray that you would work in us that which is pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ. And so we pray that you do that for us. Lord, do that for us with the people that are on our minds even now. In Christ's name, amen. Copyright 2013, IBCD, all rights reserved. More free audios can be found on our website at www.ibcd.org.